Call me Ishmael. Some campaigns ago, never mind how many precisely. Wait, sorry, that's my marketing themed Herman Melville fanfic, See Moby Dick. Let me start again. Welcome to CMO Combo, the show from CMO Alliance where we break down the opportunities and challenges facing marketing leaders right now. Today's opportunity, the power of experiential marketing. The challenge, showing the ROI. Well, we know experiences can be fantastic for building deep, meaningful relationships with an audience. In order to get buy-in, you need to be able to show the budget setters what impact it can have on revenue. Kitty Hart, VP of Client Brand Experience at Heroic Productions, joins us to share how you can show experiential marketing's ROI to your stakeholders. Hi, Kitty. Welcome to CMO Convo. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you very much for asking. Thank you very much for asking. And I'm very excited about this conversation we're having today. We haven't covered enough about experiential marketing mm-hmm. on the show, even though it's incredibly important, incredibly effective in this day and age. Um, but before we do start getting into sort of like the nitty gritty of that, Kitty, maybe you could introduce yourself to the audience, tell us a bit about your background and why you wanted to talk about this topic in particular today. Sure. Thank you. Uh, really happy to be here. My name is Kitty Hart. Um, I am the vice president of brand experience at Heroic Productions in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I've spent over 25 years in marketing. Um, primarily in a business development role, but um, I love talking about the topic of experiential uh, because it has risen to uh, great levels of um, use amongst marketers in the world that we live in today. Um, And it's sort of been the evolution of my career over time as well. So um, even though I am not uh, like I wasn't even a marketing major in college, I was a speech and communications major. But over the course of my career, I have been in a business development role within marketing. And so this has just evolved as um, an area that I am really, really passionate about and um I feel like I've seen and been able to be involved in a lot of things uh, in experiential. Um, so I just, I love talking about it. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's it's good that you mentioned sort of how broad experiential marketing is now, because that, that, that is what I want to talk about next. Maybe it's like a ground level, like how are we defining experiential marketing? Because I think for most people, when you think of it, they think of out of home marketing activations but i feel like in this this digital world now that that line's blurring a bit like how are we defining yeah. experiential marketing now yeah well the word experiential it's experience it's mm-hmm. it's that i mean that is the core um it is and so ex- experiential is basically when you are bringing someone into an experience and oftentimes it is a physical experience in some way. Um, So we've got, you know, marketing in general, we've got this overarching umbrella. And then there are so many different types of marketing, obviously. Um, And experiential is when you bring someone into an experience. And I will even say that if you think about it this way, if you can immerse that person in as many of the senses as possible, that's when you have the greatest opportunity to create an impression. So experiential, in my view, is defined by events, experiences, and interactions that will create a lasting emotional connection between a brand and its audience. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but yeah. I just want I just want to iterate again. I think 
like the idea of having someone having to leave the house to to go for these experiences, I think is is gone now with the advent of yeah. VR and sort of like digital concerts and stuff like that. I think Fortnite's okay. probably one of the most powerful marketing platforms in the world at the moment for experiential marketing. So yeah, like, I think the line's blurring between this idea that someone's got to go to like a big conference to have mm-hmm. experience or that someone's got to go to a shopping mall for if you're in the sort of the B2C space, like it can be in someone's home. Yes, absolutely. That's, um, that is very true. It's change. It's changing very quickly. And I I always like to uh, remind people that this so experiential marketing isn't new. In fact, the um, early practices of experiential showed up in the late 1800s. And some of the very first examples were at the Chicago, Chicago World's Fair. And they were brands like Wrigley and Cracker Jack and Aunt Jemima. And they saw this opportunity to be amongst their prime consumers. I don't actually, I don't like using the word consumer where consumers are people, whether it's a B2B or a B2C situation. Uh, But they're like, here's our audience. These are the people that we want to buy our product I'm going to go there. I'm going to be with them and I'm going to put my product right into people's hands. Um, And so those were the earliest examples of experiential. And now look where we are today. And you're right. The future now is in this digital space. So when I say put people into an experience, it doesn't have to be uh, in this physical experience. It can be in the digital space as well. Definitely. But either way, um, one Sticking to sort of like the theme of the episode, both mm-hmm. of those things sound quite expensive, whether it's a physical experience or a digital experience. And mm-hmm. measuring the return on investment or even to be able to predict the return on investments can be very important to be able to get buy-in on those kinds yeah. of activities. But before we do start talking about sort of like how to get return on investment, let's talk a bit more about sort of the arguments that can be used to make the case for experiential marketing in the first place. Like what are the main benefits you feel to it like what 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 is what can a cmo take to their cfo or their ceo to really sell the benefit of an experimental marketing experience yeah well it's different it's different for b2c and b2b mm-hmm. um so i think it, it's important to acknowledge that first of all a b2 a b2c experiential marketing example is going to have a much shorter time to a sale. Um, those situations are you're going to do a pop-up at Target or you're going to do a pop or, or you know, the uh, your state fair is a really good example of an experiential marketing activity uh, where it is B2C. And in that situation, uh, you're going to see a lift in sales in in those moments, in those experiences, you are looking to have people buy your product immediately. Uh, In a B2B, it's not the same thing. It is a longer play. And in that B2B opportunity or experience, you are truly just looking to make a connection with someone. So you're wanting to make a brand impression and you're wanting for that business buyer to say, hmm, I see something interesting here. I want to know more. And now you've just opened up the opportunity to build a relationship with that person. So 
senior leadership needs to know that, okay, we're going to invest in this ex experiential uh, in a B2B situation, but we need to have some patience to see the results um, somewhere down the line. Cause it's, it's just a, it's a longer sales cycle in a business to business situation. Definitely. Definitely. And I think even with a longer sales cycle and being aware that there won't be immediate returns on an ex a B2B experience is a way to stand out in all this noise that's going mm -hmm. on at the moment. B2B, particularly in sort of like B2B SaaS, that's exploded now. There's so many new com companies, so many new ones um, appearing all the time. So how do you stand out? And the experience and effective experience is probably the most effective way to stay top of mind with a mm -hmm. customer, at least from my perspective. Yeah, I think so. And it's, you know, so I think it's important to remind brands, it's okay to be different. In fact, we need to be different. Uh, you know, if somebody uh, on the team says, our competitors aren't doing that, really, we're going to do this. Our competitors aren't doing that. That's the point. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Let's be different. Let's be unique. Let's be, uh, we need to be authentic to ourselves. It needs to feel right to to us, to our brand, to our company, to our people, it needs to feel right. Um, but yeah, it is a huge opportunity to stand out because that's what that's what makes the memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's a memory that should, with effective experiential marketing, have a lot of personality to it as well. And I think that's the main way you stand out as a B2B brand is to have some kind of personality. It's not, yes. as you said, it's not just doing the exact same kind of cookie cutter, like we're a tech company. We've got to be just like every other tech company kind of thing. Right. Like To stand out in this busy marketplace and all these busy channels is about the personality of the brand and mm -hmm. experience seems like the perfect way to go about that. Yeah. So that's a good perspective to think about in terms of selling it to the CEO or the CFO, or whoever you need to get buy-in to launch these kinds of activities. When it comes to the actual experiences themselves, what are audiences expecting of them? Because that's something you've got. You don't want to put on an event that's just going to be a bit of a damp squib that's just going to be like, oh, no one cares about this. Like, What do mm -hmm. audiences expect? I imagine it's different between B2B and B2C yeah. again. So let, maybe if we break it down in those terms again, that'd be quite sure. good. Yes, it is different between those two. And uh, and it's also going to be different just from brand to brand. And that's, that's one of the reasons why it is so hard to track results, because every brand is different. Every campaign is different. Every, uh, you know, the objectives and the goals are different. So um, can rephrase your question for me again, please? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, let me just... Yeah, so I think I think we've established a really good idea of how to how to frame your argument to get buy-in internally. Let's talk about the audience expectations for these kinds of events. Yep. Like audiences, we're still kind of recovering from COVID, being locked up. We want to go outside and have these really great experiences. Why should they be convinced to go to a branded experience? Like what is going to get them? in the door. I imagine it's different between B2B, B2C. So maybe if we break those down in those yeah. terms, that'd be a good way to talk about this. Okay. Yes, it is different between B2B and B2C. Uh, and this is also one of the reasons why experiential is challenging to track because every brand is different. Every The goals and objectives for each campaign is going to be different. 
Um, but I will tell you this, the first thing that comes to my mind in answering this question is that audience expectations become more and more challenging over time. Just plain and simple, it's hard. It's harder and harder to surprise and delight people. And that is really what is at the center of experiential. You do need to surprise and delight people. Um, so creativity is teams need to be very creative when they are crafting these campaigns. Um, <clears throat> in general, people today want would rather have an experience than have a tangible physical thing. We've seen this rise uh, to the top as people think about gift giving, right? Around holiday time. I want an experience. I don't want a new sweater that I'm actually going to end up not wearing a year from now. Mm -hmm. So it's that experience that needs to be crafted. You said, what is going to get people to come out of their house and go and go to an event? They want some education. They want to be able to walk away from something with a new story to share. People like to be able to try things for the first time and then say, hey, you guys, I just tried this amazing new product um, or this amazing, amazing new service. I want to tell you about it now. So people generally want to share. They want to feel like they're now a new expert in something. And then they want to share that with other people. Those are some of the things that I feel like I'm seeing sort of rise to the top. And they're the things that get people out to go to experience something. It's something brand new. They want to be on the leading edge of, of trying something new. Uh, of course, people always want to go home with a little something. So if it is something that they're going to buy, you know, giving them a little perk, you're a VIP, you're getting, you know, you're getting a discount on this or something like that. Um, those are some of the first things that that come to my mind. But I think in general, it's just the fact that they are going to have an unusual experience with something, a different experience that they then want to share with somebody. Definitely. And I think that sharing is something that we need to reiterate as well, because experiential marketing is an absolute goldmine for user-generated content, for mm -hmm. making some kind of social footprint beyond yeah. what you necessarily have access to in terms of your followers and stuff like that. You get the mm -hmm. right people in the door, you have the right kind of experiences on, and they're posting on TikTok, they're sharing Instagram um, stories and stuff like that. It yeah. can be incredibly potent for that. And it's almost, well, it's not free because you've had to pay for the event, but you're, getting, you're expanding yeah. your reach far beyond just the people who are going to that experience and having and like are at the event kind of thing. Yes. Yes. So and if if you're not thinking about the social media component in conjunction with or embedded into the experience, you're leaving something significant on the table. So all of the social work that can be done ahead of the event, the social that's happening during the event, uh having a, a hashtag specifically for the event so that you can really drill down and monitor what's going on. And monitor is the key word there too. Make sure that your team is paying attention to what's going on there in the social and uh, and participating in it. And then after the fact as well, that's one of the ways that we can gauge results. It's not necessarily concrete. It's not, that's not showing us sales, but it is showing impressions, likes, comments, shares, all of those things have tremendous value. Definitely, definitely. 
So when it comes to experiential marketing and maybe some of the misconceptions around it, one of the things that I said earlier was the idea that it sounds very expensive. Yeah. And I found it quite interesting when you were talking about the challenge of surprising and delighting. You didn't say it requires more investment. It requires more creativity. And I thought that was quite interesting. It is one of the misconceptions about experiential marketing that it's just very expensive to do? Like, Is that something that needs to be dispelled? Yes. Um, that perception of expense, I think, al- line, aligns with this misconception that it's only for big brands. Mm -hmm. It's all relative. So smaller brands can, uh, can execute experiential events. Budgets become, um, you just, you scale your budget to, to what it is. Uh, But it doesn't have to be, this is not a million dollar investment for a small brand. It just takes some creative planning. And actually those small, you know, smaller events, um, they may look small and they can have a huge impact and primarily because of that social media component. Um, so here's here's an example. This is a, a very public example that uh, now, granted, I'm going to use a big brand, but <laughs> stay with me here. So several years ago, um, when Uber was getting off the ground, and Uber has been such an amazing brand to watch over time. I mean, such a disruptive brand. And um, so one of the things that they did, they created a uh, they created a VIP dining experience. And this was in New York. And so in relation right to Uber, this was a very small brand experience. They created a an Uber um, bus isn't the right word, but it was a beautifully branded Uber vehicle. And they reached out to their, I can't remember now what the term is that they use, but they have a, a number of Uber users who are like at the very top. They're using Uber every day. They're, they're the big users. Um, and so they invited them to this experience. And so they got, they came onto this Uber vehicle and Within the experience, they had a celebrity chef and she was actually creating a dinner inside this little bus. And then they traveled around New York. And so this experience only involved like 12 people. And I wish I had the metric on this, but the number of social impressions that came out of that because of those 12 people that were in the experience, it was huge. So you can look, you can create an event that's very intimate, but if you have the right people in there with the ability to create that social buzz, it can be exponential. Definitely, definitely. I think that that intimate kind of nature of the events as well is going to have more of a more of an impact than maybe doing some big mass market thing, like having like a Beyonce concert or something. I mean, I wouldn't mind a brand experience where someone invited me to a Beyonce concert, but that's by the by. Um, Yeah. yeah, Having these smaller scale things where you do be quite selective, almost invitation only can be very, very important for the brand. It allows you to sort of cater. It allows you to cater sort of the aftermath of the event in a bit more of a way. It allows you to direct the story along the yeah. lines of the people that you're inviting to the event. It can, yeah, it sounds like a very, very yeah methodical approach to it. It's not just like, oh, let's just invite a load of famous people to the event. If you think about the people you're inviting to it, the people who are going to have the most appeal to the audience you're trying to reach as yes. well, that's going to be incredibly important. Yeah. 
So we've talked a little bit about why it, about the fact that it is difficult to show the ROI of experiential marketing. Let's let's sort of go into some of the other main difficulties that come with it. Like obviously attribution is gonna be a difficult one. Um let's talk about some of the others that come up quite frequently. Um Okay, let me let me think about this for a second. I, I can rephrase it and we can just focus on attribution. And then if more come up, we can expand on those points. That's easier. Um because I feel like attribution and you know, just creatively coming up with what can we do? I feel like those those are the big challenges with with yeah. experiential. Um let, 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 let's just focus on them then. Uh, okay. You, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, roll that back. Um, so yeah, the potency of experiential marketing is clear and yet we, we're not seeing every brand doing it mm-hmm. and there's got to be some challenges in place. Obviously attribution is going to be a tricky one in terms of showing the ROI to be able to get, get buy-in. What are maybe the issues around attribution that make it so difficult when it comes to experiential marketing? Like, yeah, I think it. I think it boils down to the fact that it that every campaign is going to be different. So there just there just aren't standardized ways to measure ROI. Now this may change as experiential continues to evolve, but it kind of boils down to that. So when teams are defining what they're going to do and they're creating these campaigns, it's important in those planning sessions to define what what are going what will the units of measure be for us to determine success on this. You don't have to go and try to find a textbook example of an ROI. Uh, for you, you need to create it for yourself. What will be meaningful for to your team and to your business? Because it's going to be different for everybody. Surveys are a great thing to do. Um, we've talked about monitoring the social channels and just looking at impressions and what are people talking about and really leaning into those and using those as a way to now uh, have some really good uh really good intel from your audience so that you can go and have some follow-up with them. So don't necessarily expect that there's going to be an immediate response, but know that this is the beginning of a relationship that you're building with people who've you just, who, who you have just brought into this experience. And then, so when it comes to sort of defining the goals, should that be like what what stage should the defining goals be? Should it be once they've decided to put an event or an experience on, or should it be before we even think about putting yeah. an event or experience on? We think about what are the goals behind it. Um, it's so I think we I think it needs to begin with what what challenge are we trying to solve here? So are are, are we launching a new product? Are our sales down? Those are two very different things. So when we go into it knowing why why we feel we need to create an experiential campaign, that's first. Then we're going to say, okay, well, let's just start to brainstorm. What would be some ways that we could approach this? Okay, so then we start to you know identify a few ways or a few ideas 
those start to bubble up. Now looking at this idea, okay, what do we think we can drive out of this? What sort of activity is going to, you know, what sort of action is going to happen? What sort of experience are we going to create? And then we can say, okay, based on that, let's establish some goals. And then we need to make sure that those goals tie back to, okay, is this going to solve what we initially identified as the challenge? So it's kind of, it's kind of a, it's a circle. Mm-hmm. You have to just always make sure that we're tracking back to, is this going to benefit or will this address this challenge that immediate, that initially sent us down the road? Hey, we need to do some sort of experiential activity. Definitely. Definitely. So it's not just experiences for the sake of experiences, responding to a need within the company at the time is yes. the best way to go. Yeah. So when, it, yeah. when it comes to these planning sessions, um, obviously, the onus is going to mainly be on the marketing department to come up with the concept and work on like delivering this. Mm-hmm. What what other stakeholders would you recommend having been involved in this? Are there other departments who might have insights that would be mm-hmm. valuable to setting up these kinds of events? Sales. Sale. So this is, uh, there's a lot of conversation about sales and marketing alignment. Mm-hmm. This is one of the areas that it, it rings true. Uh, your sales team needs to have a voice at that table. And, uh, you know, this, this, this is, this could be a whole separate podcast conversation (laughs) around the alignment of sales and marketing and the importance of that today, because uh, the fact of fact of the matter is that the way people buy today has changed. And so if we haven't changed the way we sell, we're 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 not going to be effective in our sales. So sales needs to be at the table, marketing, executive leadership, our CFO needs to be at the table as well. Um and so that everybody understands why we're doing this and what the expected outcomes are. And honestly, if you can when when marketing and sales come together, and they're creating revenue out of these things, that CFO is going to be your best friend. So that's why bring them to the table, bring them into the conversation, and they no longer become the anti-marketing department. That, that'd be, that, that's going to be music to many CMOs it is. Right <laughs> yes. there, okay. um, yeah. yeah. And I think as well, sales, they, they, bring, they can bring a lot to the table because they're the ones speaking to the customers every day. They know the pain points. They know the customers as well. They, they yes. might have good insights about the type of events they're most likely to respond to or what yeah. type of customers they should be inviting to these types of events as well. So it's not just about sales and marketing sitting down and saying, oh, how are we going to sell the most at these events? It's mm-hmm. let's get some insights from sales. Let's get some ideas to actually build out the core concept around the experience. Yeah. Sales should be able to answer the question. What are the pain points right now? Mm-hmm. What are the questions that you get? from your customers. And I I want to make sure that that we point out here that this is we're talking business to business and business to consumer. Mm-hmm. So many of these things apply to to both uh both types of marketing. Definitely, definitely. And yeah. I think especially in sort of the the e-commerce world as well, like We've talked about the way people buy has changed, the way people make considerations about products has changed and um Things have changed in B2B. Things have changed in B2C as mm-hmm. well. I, th- I think buying cycles have maybe gotten a bit longer. People do want to consider a bit yeah. more to go online, do user reviews and stuff like that. Yeah. So 
yeah, uh, an event can be just as much a start of a conversation about that process for yes. a B2C customer as much as a B2B yeah. customer. So some some good examples of B2B. So let's, let's just be really specific then, because yeah. sometimes people can say, well, what? It, give me an example of a B2B experiential. Well, it's a conference. Mm-hmm. It's a trade show. Uh, it's a corporate event. And just because we've got the word corporate attached to the beginning of that, it doesn't mean that it can't be amazing, uh, exciting, surprising, and delightful. It needs to be all of those things. So, um, you know, trade shows, I think sometimes trade shows get a bad rap. They do. They really do. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, there are, I think a number of reasons why, but it's trade show marketing is a really effective way to present your company, present your services, your products, and start a relationship with someone, a new, start a relationship with a new business buyer. Um, there's, you know, yes, they're expensive. Yes, you got to have a booth. You got to have, you know, all of these things, but uh, they are they are incredibly effective. Definitely. Um, and speaking as someone who's attended trade shows, my usual system was, pick out the ones that I really wanted to go to because I knew they had something for me. Mm-hmm. Then go to the ones where I could get the most swag, get a tote bag, uh, get some pens, that kind of thing. And yeah. then it was go looking for ones that were interesting booths, like interesting experiences that I could do with the rest of my time there. Mm-hmm. And yes. I think there are a lot of people who follow that same pattern when they go to uh, trade shows or go to like big corporate events like that. Yes. At the end of the day, you reach the point where you've got everything you think you need out of the conference or the event. Mm-hmm. The next step is how am I going to keep myself entertained for the rest of the time that I'm at this event? Mm-hmm. And a cool corporate experience is going to get you in the door. Like, yes, it can be simple as just like, oh, there's some cool VR technology to explore or something like that. Or mm-hmm. there's just some nice music or they're doing some good coffee at this stand mm-hmm. compared to the other ones. Like, it can be little yeah. things or it can be big things. But yes, yeah, I think the fun element of trade shows is. Yeah, that's something that that's how you're going to keep people in the room for longer. And that's how you keep people engaged, even if they've done everything they need to get done. That day. Yes. Yeah. So and then um, sort of a, um, it's probably not a sister to that. It would be a cousin to that would be uh, a, a corporate event. So the big brands of the world that have locations all over the country, they've got thousands of employees and You know, the fact of the matter is that our world has become very small thanks to the technology that we have. And yet we don't always have we don't always have opportunities to get together. So a lot of the big brands of the world will spend uh, it is uh, it is valuable to them to bring everybody together. And or your you might be honoring your top salespeople. So here's another situation. You might be launching a new service or a new product where it is beneficial to fly people in, bring people to a venue of some sort and have three days of education. Now, that doesn't have to be boring. That doesn't have to be, okay. I'm going to go sit in in a conference room and I've got product training and whatever and whatever. Uh, Those things will happen within the experience, but there are ways to make it 
really impactful and make those employees leave saying, that was amazing. I am so jazzed about this company that I work for. I am so excited to sell this new product. I feel so um, good that my company just honored me with this award, whatever it might be. Um, And so you're designing the environment. You're maybe bringing in a top-notch speaker or an amazing entertainer, and you're making it an event. You're making it an event that, like I said, when people walk away, they're like, holy cow, that was that was an amazing experience. And I can't wait to tell people about it. That's a, that's a really interesting perspective, Kitty. To be honest, I hadn't even thought about sort of internal experience, like internal branding along these lines, but you're mm-hmm. right. It makes so much sense. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when it comes to those sort of like corporate training days and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like if you know, you well, it, maybe you do want it to be a bit of a surprise what events you've got going on for these for the attendees but if they know that there's something fun at the end of the day mm-hmm. hopefully that should keep them engaged throughout the rest of the day they're not going to get bored yeah. and distracted they know like oh just need to get through this uh yeah this training session and then we get to go and do this amazing thing that the the brand's got going for us and again like it goes back to the social sharing as well like people who go to these types of events they're going to post about it on linkedin they're going to post about it online we're just going to yeah. spread spread the word about the company to begin with and also attract more talent as well. Like people yes. are going to want to join a company that puts yes. on these kinds of experiences for their staff. And they're going to want to stay. Mm. So it, you know, it shows it's an investment in your team. And I, so what is that? What's that saying? And I don't remember who said it, but that saying about, um, you know, uh, some C-level executive says, Hey, we need to invest in training for our team. Mm. And the other C-level executive says, yeah, but what if they leave? <laughs> and the and then the person says, um, oh shoot, shoot. We have to find this. Do you know what I'm do you know the saying that I'm talking about? I think I do know the one you're saying. I'm just gonna try and quickly look it up. Google, Google, Google. <laughs> Sorry, my microphone's in the way of the keyboard. And, uh, um, what if it's like, what if we don't and they stay? Stay. Uh, I think I've got it. Yeah. Just found a LinkedIn post. Okay. Yeah, Rich, it's Richard Branson who said it as well. So that's a good name to drop in there. Train okay. people well enough so they can't so they can leave. Treat them well enough so they don't. I know. Wait, that's not the exact anecdote we're looking for. I I I have it here. Uh, it's W. Edwards Deming, I think, is the one. Yeah. What if I train them and they leave? What if you don't and they stay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can I can I backtrack and say that? I think you just backtrack to that that um yeah it goes back to that thing okay. <clears throat> or that quote from yeah the other and then that's okay. fine. Okay. These these corporate events show and in show and demonstrate an investment in your team. So if you think about that famous quote, it pops up on LinkedIn every once in a while. Conversation between CFO and CEO. The CFO asks, "What happens if we invest in developing our people and then they leave us?" And the CEO says, "What happens if we don't and they stay?" <laughs> That's it. So for for corporate leaders who are looking at the, you know, the big corporate events and they're saying, 
dang, these are expensive. Why do we do this again? That's why we do it. It's an investment. It's an investment in our team. There's huge ROI in that. And I think as well, it's it's even more important important in the world we're living in now, the way we're working now. A lot more people working hybrid, a lot more people working remote. These types of events might be the only time of year your entire company gets gets together in one place. It might be yes. the only time of year some of your employees meet other people face to face. So yes. why not make it a big event for them to look forward to? Mm-hmm. It gives them more of a personal, emotional connection with the company they're working for. Yes. Rather than it just being something they have to do, it mm-hmm. becomes something they look forward to. Yes. Yeah. Now it can be hybrid also. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, one of the the lasting things that has come from the pandemic. Um, all of the in-person events kind of shut down and went away. Everything went virtual. And then the in-person event, events came back. And what happened? We tacked on a we tacked on a virtual component. So now if there are people who can't physically come, they can still be included, but we have to make sure that we, when we're creating the in-person physical event, that we also include a virtual component for those people who just can't, who just aren't going to be able to make it. So our audience just became bigger in doing that. And I I suppose as well, like when it comes to sort of like the fun experiences, that digital side, that digital side of things talking about internal corporate events specifically here, you could open that up to invite customers to watch those kinds of things. Like if, if you're doing something really cool, something really fun as a mm-hmm. team, invite your customers to watch that as well. It, just, it gives an ad, added extra bonus to these corporate events on top of Absolutely. the internal side of things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very good idea. And then those, those customers feel important. They feel valued. Definitely. And I think that's incredibly important in particularly in sort of the B2B world where you have these kinds of long-term partnerships between companies. Yeah, it shows an appreciation. It shows that you're, yeah, you do consider them part of the family, so to speak, the customers mm-hmm. that you've had these long-term relationships with. Yes. Um, so it's rewarding them for their loyalty. It's keeping them involved in the story that you're telling as a brand as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when it comes to actually tracking the ROI of an event because that is something that we are going to have to tackle. That is something that we are going to have to discuss as marketers. Are there certain ways that we can make it easier? Are there certain processes that we can have in place on the day at these events? I I imagine just adding some kind of component to add a digital footprint is going to be Mm -hmm. quite important. Um, So what what kind of thing could that look like? Yeah. Well, I mean, surveys, Right. I mean, that should always be on the list. And some surveys are going to be more effective than others. So it's, you know, take take time and put a lot of thought into the survey. How are you going to provide it to people? What are you going to be asking? Um, And really craft those questions appropriately to get the responses that you need. So and that can be done in a few different ways. It can be a physical, you know, hey, come to a specific place and um, take time to, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, you're actually writing out your answers or you can do it after the event with a link that you send to people to go in. Um, Surveys are hard. I mean, it's, it's hard to get people to take the time to do them. So it's always good to reward someone for doing that, you know, build in a, 
you know, we're going to give away something to, you know, names will be drawn, et cetera. People like to be uh, rewarded for doing that. Uh, we talked about the social media engagement. That's a big one. So that needs to be embedded into all of the experiences, but that that will continue to be one of the best ways to track. Um, if it is a trade show, if it is a corporate event, monitor participation. You're actually, how many people came, you know, how many people showed up? That's going to show effectiveness of anything that you did prior leading up to it. How many people physically came into the experience and then collect contact information from them when they are there so that then you have some follow-up opportunities. Again, it's all about you're starting the relationship in this situation. Um, you're starting to build trust between the brand and the person. Um, so we we should also talk about what the future will be. And, and this is, this is an area that starts to get kind of scary for people, mm -hmm. but we do know that there's facial recognition that has been embedded into a lot of different experiences and tracking software. So those will continue to be used. And those are different ways also that we can identify gender, age, do people look happy? Um, how long did they stay? All sorts of things. And these are being used now. Um, we, so here in Minneapolis, we have the Mall of America, um, just, I don't know, five miles from my location here. They've been using facial recognition for some time, actually, on their uh, on their mapping system inside the mall. So these are things that we'll continue to learn more about and learn more effective ways to use those as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, although I imagine there will be <clears throat> certain things you have to make clear when you're putting on maybe an invitation event that yes. you're going to be using facial recognition and stuff like that. Yeah. You don't want it to be sort of under the table, black hat kind of thing. Right. Um, I imagine like even with like the advances in facial recognition, maybe using some kind of AI mm -hmm. software to keep track of people within events and stuff like that as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're going to need some kind of effective CRM system to keep track of this as yes. well, which again means coordinating with sales. So coordinating with sales, after the event and post the event is going to be very important in measuring the ROI. Yes. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of brands now too will create their own app mm. for the experience. So, um, you know, and that of course comes with a price tag. So that's a good example of, you know, that's probably something that's not available, going to be available to everybody, but that's going to be a, a really effective way to track as well. People enjoy Gamification of experiences is significant. I mean, I, you know, on my phone alone, I mean, I get notifications from Starbucks. Hey, our new summer game is um, is happening right now. People like that stuff. So they get to get free. They get to get free things. And I mean, you know, we sit like this so much of the day, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but all of these little things that we can do through an app. It's all collecting data. And I and I always want to make sure there are a lot of people who are very uncomfortable with that. Like, I don't want people tracking data on me. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm maybe in that camp of people who are like, I don't care because th what it's doing is it's making them smarter about what I want to see, what I want to shop for. I am 
it's totally fine for me when I walk into the Mall of America and I get little pop-ups. Hey, there's a sale at Gap. There's a sale at whatever. Great. Happy to know that because I might want to shop there. So I I don't know. Anyway, the apps are uh, apps are an important component and they can be very, very effective at, again, bringing people into the experience and moving them, beginning to move them through a sales cycle. I mean, I think just a simple QR code can do the job for me. Uh, mm-hmm. events and stuff like that and I, i'm at the point now if i see a qr code somewhere it unless i'm in an absolute hurry i will scan that if it's on tv if it's on the street or something which probably opens me up to a lot of potential <laughs> like cyber security <laughs> stuff but i love getting my phone out and scanning the qr code yeah. i'm glad they're back that's one of the, the few bright spots of the pandemic i think was bringing the qr code back and i think other people are the same as well like, there's, it, can be a, it can be quite fun like mm-hmm the journey that you can go on just by going on a QR code. And I think that can be a fun part of experiences. So, and I think it's really important to note that pre-pandemic, people were questioning the QR code for a long time. Yeah, like I don't, I haven't really seen the right application yet. I don't get it. Yeah, those aren't going to be around for very long. Uh, And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, now we see the use of the QR code and it has just exploded from there. And it's, it's so easy to track engagement with that. And it's so, yeah. so simple to set up as well. Like you can just simply have it as a link to a landing page in a website. It doesn't even have to go to this big and big, crazy experience, but it's very easy to track that. It's very easy to track traffic that's come directly from that. And yeah, so simple to set up. You can generate QR codes for free online. Like it's not something you have to pay for at all. So yes. yeah, like, I think that's a really simple, elegant way of having some kind of digital footprint to an event, particularly when it's something that might not be where it's not like an invitation event or something where it's just like open open doors, just letting people in kind of thing. The QR yes. code and the corner of a screen, that can do wonders. Or even just on a poster on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really effective. And it goes yes. back to what you were saying earlier. Like It's not about investing loads of money into it it's finding creative ways to keep people engaged and to track people as well well yes. tracking again that sounds a little bit creepy but yeah keep track of people i'm going to use that term instead yeah to keep yeah. track of people yeah and it's all in an interest of having your product or your service uh presented to someone who has a need for it mm-hmm. i mean that's that's what it is and and, that, and that's marketing 101 at the it's end of the day isn't it Right. Yes. Um, yeah. So Katie, we've covered we covered so much here. Like, oh wow, head is spinning. We've covered so much. Let's let's see yeah. if we can tie things together. Um, like maybe a golden rule when it comes to people thinking about setting up some kind of experience experiential marketing event. And then a golden rule about how people can take into consideration ROI, like how can they really think hard about like getting the best ROI? out of an yeah. event as possible. It's actually better to really know what the ROI is from an event. There's probably a better way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I you know I think golden rule, and this is true with anything in marketing, know know what challenge or problem you're looking to solve. Um there's we see a lot of people just throwing random things at the wall and mm-hmm. seeing what will stick. And granted Marketing is a series of experimentation. I mean, really, you know, we have to, we do something, we assess it, 
we learn from it, we modify and we execute again. Um, but start out by knowing why you're going to do this event. Um, who is it for? What is the expected? What is the desired outcome? And cre create from there, start the creative process there. And I think always think about, like, would I be interested in this? Would this resonate with me? Of course, knowing it, you know, keeping in mind, maybe I'm not the target audience, but I am a human being, mm -hmm. right? And we as human beings, we are naturally uh, drawn to experiences. We want to feel something. And so I think that needs to be at the core of this conversation. And then after that has been crafted, after the event has been crafted or the experience has been crafted, really thinking about how will we measure this? Mm -hmm. And it will be different for every campaign. It'll be different for every brand. Uh, but as long as the whole group of stakeholders agrees with the units of measure, you should be good going into it. But that that's key. Make sure that everybody understands the units of measure for the success of the campaign. Definitely. Thank you very much, Key. If you forgive the pun, this has been a great experience. I think I've learned a lot, <laughs> particularly the stuff to do with the internal side of stuff. That wasn't even something that ended into my head when we were coming up with the concept of this episode. So thank you very much for that. I'm going to take that away to our own events people and see if there's stuff they can be doing there as well. Wonderful. So thank you very much, Key. And I'm sure the audience had a great experience as well. Um, yeah, experiential marketing. Now that we're in sort of this post-pandemic world, it, the sky's the limit. I suppose, in what we can do with that. And with the new digital technology as well, there's going to be a lot to explore. So thank you very much for your time, Key. As You're you said, this, as you said, there's probably more to explore in terms of sales and marketing alignment. I'm sure there's some other things we can explore. So yeah. this won't be the last conversation we'll have about experiential marketing on the uh, on CMO Convo, I'm sure. And I'm sure my, our audience will be appreciated to hear more of your insights on that as well. Wonderful. I look forward to it. And thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you once again, Kitty, and thank you to our audience as well. We'll be back soon with some more CMO Convos. Like what you heard from this CMO Convo? Make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating so the whole world knows how great it was.